0: I'm Lyndall Johnson, one of the uh, local Dharma leaders, and I'm going to be leading our meditation and giving the Dharma talk today. And as many of you know, this year we're doing a series on the Paramis, and our topic for this month is generosity. And last week, Arv gave us a great start on this topic with a really nice talk sharing some of the ways he's been you know, working with generosity and things he's heard or come across that have made him, you know, think about this topic. And I think it really gave us some food for thought, too, about what generosity is really is and about our motivations in being generous and how we experience our own acts of generosity. So it was a really good start. And this week, I'm going to follow his lead and share with you my own process and experience so far in working with this parami of generosity over the past couple of weeks. And as I started to think about how I'd approach this month, um, I thought about what Ajahn Suchito says in his book about how we develop the paramis how there are three stages that we go through. First, there's what he calls the initiating, which is where we're just starting to think about the particular parami and paying attention to it and, you know, having some intention to cultivate it and practice it, even though maybe we're not doing a whole lot with it yet. And I think last week we had a lot of food for thought in this initiating process. And then there's what he calls gathering, where you actually put that parami into practice in all sorts of different situations. And, you know, maybe sometimes it comes forth. Sometimes maybe it <laughs> you mess up, but you keep working with it. And then finally... Um, There's completion, where the parmi is so firmly established, it's like your go-to response, and it feels like it can see you through any obstacle. Now, this is a pretty high bar, this completion, and um, I've got my doubts about whether I'm going to get to that stage over a month, but at least I felt like I could notice times as I was working with generosity When generous acts came more easily and more naturally and made me kind of feeling a bit more in line with that part of me. So to start out with, for that initiating part, I was reading over what some of the teachers had to say about generosity in the books that we've talked about and recommended to you. and Something that Norman Fisher said really struck a chord with me. I mean, I think Norman Fisher was sort of my go-to for this particular parami. And what he said was that generosity is an attitude, basically the attitude of abundance. And in his book, he says, to practice generosity is to appreciate the natural abundance of being, of time and space and the ongoing unfolding of life. Life is generous. Life is always making more life. Life is abundant and expansive, never stingy or small-minded. It keeps on going, bubbling up and expanding wherever it has a chance. So that was kind of a beautiful quote. It gets this feeling of abundance and expansion. And, you know, Sylvia Borstein said something kind of similar, but in a bit of a different way, you know, suggesting that generosity comes out of this sense of having what we need, this sense of abundance. So this got me thinking about abundance and the sense of having what I need, and do I really feel that, and I realize that one of the things that keeps me from being as generous as I might be is it's not exactly a sense of lack, but maybe it's a more a lack of trust in abundance. So it's a sort of tendency to want to hang on to things for security. So I'll have them just in case. And I definitely I have that kind of feeling about money where I like the security of having savings. So I know that if something happens to me or to somebody in my family, there's money there. And, you know, that's not a bad thing at all. In a way, it's a really responsible thing. And yet I also know there are times when I'm reluctant to spend money or be generous with my money when I really could be more generous Because I want to maintain that security. And another thing I recognize is that when it comes to feeling like I have enough, my biggest issue, I think, is not really with material things. Because I kind of know I have enough. I might worry that something could happen and I won't. But, yeah, you know, generally I have enough. It's more with things that are intangible, you know, like feeling I don't have enough energy or enough support or enough companionship or whatever, you know, or that feeling that maybe I'm not enough or I haven't done enough. So this is a little different than feeling like one doesn't have enough money or material goods, but it can still be a mindset of scarcity. And I could see how it could keep me from being generous and how it sometimes does keep me from being generous. When I feel like my own emotional resources are drained, it's hard to offer support or attention to other people. And when I feel like I'm not competent or capable of offering what's needed, then a lot of times I just will sort of, Hold back and I won't do anything because I'm confused about whether I really can do what needs to be done. So I realized I needed to think about that aspect of generosity, too. You know, not just can I feel like I have enough in the material sense, but also in the emotional sense. And can I feel like I'm enough? Instead of always seeing myself as someone who isn't quite up to the mark, who isn't quite worthy as they are, who needs fixing, and so maybe doesn't have enough to give. And I think we all have those kind of feelings about ourselves that somehow we don't have enough and we aren't enough in terms of our emotional resources. So, what could I do to help develop this attitude of abundance? Well, one of the things I've been doing is trying to embrace or get closer to this sense of abundance by noticing all the things that go well every day. The little nice things that happen every day. You know, and making a point of, you know, writing them down even. So, these would be, you know, noticing beautiful things around me, uh noticing help and support I get from other people or animal friends too, noticing things that I've actually been able to get done successfully that I might have been afraid I couldn't do perfectly enough or right enough to counter that sense that I'm not enough and can't do enough. In the poem, Trust, Thomas R. Smith says, Wind finally gets where it was going, through the snowy trees and the river, even when frozen arrives at the right place. And sometimes you sense how faithfully your life is delivered, even though you can't read the address. And so noticing these positive things has helped me to feel that way, you know, like, you know, yeah, my life often is faithfully delivered more often than I might realize, and that many times I do have enough, and I am enough. So it's been a really good practice for me so far, and it has really helped to kind of dispel that anxiety about, oh, things are going to go wrong, I'm not going to be able to do this, that kind of feeling. And then there's the second stage of practice with the paramis, Acting with generosity, or what Ajahn Suchito calls gathering. And Norman Fisher mentions this too, that working on our attitude is really good, but action is required as well. And generosity is kind of an interesting parmi because it's one of those where you can actually, you know, make lists of actions you might want to undertake and projects you can do. There's plenty of to-dos when it comes to generosity, which isn't necessarily the same way with all of the other paramis. And Norman Fisher was a big help to me here too because he has a nice list in his book of what he calls daily life practices that are, you know, relatively simple acts we can do to express generosity. And they're, you know, things like you know, making sure the sink is clean in the public restroom for the next person, smiling at people, giving small gifts, you know, giving um, money to panhandlers or uh, sending cards to friends and relatives or giving a call to a friend that maybe is sick or not doing well, um, lots of things like that. Um simple acts that we can do to express generosity. So I thought I would try some of those and come up with some of my own as well. And... One of the things I also noticed in my reading was that, well, Norman Fisher stresses how this sense of abundance makes it easier for us to give. Sylvia Borstein says that it works the other way too. That giving itself allows us to experience the joy of not feeling needy and of being content. So, you know, having this abundance attitude helps us to give, but giving itself helps us to connect with the abundance attitude. So I thought that that would be a good thing to look at too and see if that was true when I did my acts of generosity. So one of the things that Norman Fisher says we need to do is to be generous not only with others but with ourselves. And that taking care of ourselves really is a way of taking care of others as well because it allows us to have the mental and physical resources we need so we can be generous and we can be of service. So in my list of things to do, I've been including some of those kinds of things too, you know, making the effort to um, do things to take care of my health, like taking time to meditate, to exercise, eating a healthy diet. And then he also suggested that we should give ourselves little gifts, not necessarily material things, but they could be things like, you know, taking time to look up at the stars or to make ourselves a nice meal or to take a nap when we feel tired, you know, things like that. And then, you know, notice how it feels to give ourselves these nice little presents of, you know, pleasant things and see how it feels to receive it. So I've been thinking about that and doing some of these things, too. And then there are the things that are directed toward others. And so I tried some of Norman Fisher's suggestions, you know, like wiping down the counters in the restroom at the Y, you know, to make sure it's nice and clean, <laughs> um, smiling at the people I encounter when I go to the grocery store, stuff like that, sending cards and gifts to friends and relatives. Now, this was easy because one of my cousins, who I'm close to, has a birthday in February, so I was going to send her a gift and a Valentine card anyway. But I got that, I did that, and then I thought, well, why don't I send a card with a little bit of Valentine candy to my niece, my grandniece, who's over in Montana. I don't see her that often. Maybe I should send short letters and cards to a couple of other friends that are not, you know, close that I don't see that often. You know, people that I might not have thought about sending Valentines to, but I could. You know, so I did that, found some really funny cards to send. And so a few more Valentines than I would have sent. Um another project that I've been doing is to actually go through and open and look at all the requests I get in the mail for donations to charities. And maybe you're the same as I am. I mean, I get so many of these requests in the mail that lately I've developed a pretty grumpy attitude towards these charities and I'd get these things in the mail and then, you know, just toss them in the recycling sometimes with a kind of a, <laughs> I already gave you something or, you know, maybe open them up and set them aside. Oh, I'll deal with that later. You know, just with not a very happy or generous attitude at all with more resentful attitude so this was kind of the challenge for me to revisit my relationship with these donation requests and actually it was a pretty good time to do this because you know it's the beginning of the year there are certain charities I always give something to but I haven't hadn't given to many of them yet so um It was sort of a fresh start. So I've been looking at all of these, you know, checking the charities that I didn't know so much about to make sure they were really highly rated. And if they were, I'd, you know, give a little bit of something. And it's felt quite good because I feel like I'm doing something but I've kind of got a process. It's under control. Better than ignoring them and letting letters build up or trashing them and then feeling alternately guilty and resentful. You know, I'm still finding that I'm getting requests from charities where I just sent them something, but somehow I'm a little bit, it's a little bit easier to just say, oh, okay, already took care of that, maybe in a few months. Um And I've also been trying to pay more attention to how it feels to give, reflect on who will be helped by these gifts, and feel good about that. But, you know, I think I need a little bit more practice in really making time to do that. Another thing I've been doing is going through my house and finding things I don't really need that I can donate to charity. And this is also kind of an interesting one. You know, I found that on the one hand, when I donate something I don't really need or want anymore, it's really easy to dismiss that as, ah, that's not really an act of generosity, even though the thing might be nice and something that someone else might really benefit from. But on the other hand, if the thing is actually a pretty good thing, even if I don't use it, I find it's, you know, it's not really... Easy to let go of it. You know, there's this feeling that, well, I might need it. I might still use it. If it's a piece of clothing, I thought, well, maybe I'll wear it. Maybe I should see if one of my relatives wants it. You know, there's just sort of all these excuses not to actually get rid of it. And, you know, I, for an example was this pair of sandals that I bought, gosh, you know, it must have been 20 years ago I bought these things. And they're really cute sandals, really, really cute, but I never wear them because they're so uncomfortable, and yet I've been hanging on to them all this time. So finally, the sandals went in the box and went to the um went in goodwill, and that was a good thing. And, um, though, you know, I'm still kind of working and struggling a bit with this process. And then I also decided to make a donation to the local food bank. And usually if there's a food drive or a collection, I will donate something, but I don't have a regular practice of actually going to the food bank with things. So I thought, well, okay, I'll do this. I went to the store, got a bunch of stuff. That felt nice. And I've got it ready to donate, Um, and I also found out you can sign up for a program where you collect, you know, every other month and leave the goods on your front porch, and a volunteer comes and picks it up. So I signed up for that. So now I'm kind of in the system to donate. And then I thought, well, I'll go for a walk and pick up trash. Now, for some reason, people really like to dump trash along the road that goes by my house in Arlington. And it's mostly like beer cans and fast food wrappers. I think, you know, teenagers throw them out the window when they're driving along and maybe they've got alcohol they shouldn't ought to have, stuff like that. Though occasionally, you know, you will see the busted TV monitor or the microwave or something that. Someone doesn't want to dispose of in the way they should, and they throw that too. But it's an eyesore and an irritant, and whenever I go for a walk, I see this stuff. I'm like, "Eh, I sure hate looking like at that. I ought to maybe pick it up. And so I finally did it. So I got on some rubber gloves, grabbed a garbage bag, and luckily not too much of this stuff gets dumped right in people's front yards. But the favorite place to dump stuff turned out to be this drainage ditch not too far from my house. And this was like Beer Can City, you know, all this Bud Light, White Claw cans, you know, and... So it was not exactly the fun place to pick up beer cans from. You know, here I was like straddling this drainage ditch, (laughs) picking these things up. But, you know, I got my little bag full of beer cans and White Claw cans and Red Bull cans and things are a little bit cleaner now. So how has it felt doing these acts of generosity? Well, overall, you know, it's, been a really good feeling, you know. Um taking time as I said before to notice the things that go well has made me feel more of a sense of abundance and a sense of ease. And doing these acts has felt good too. It's seemed, you know, more less like an obligation and more something to be happy about. So I'm thinking that Sylvia Borstein is right. You know, it's easier to be generous when you have a sense of abundance, but actually doing a generous act helps, you know, you to feel, maybe it isn't exactly abundance in my case, but definitely contentment and joy. Sometimes it comes from reflecting on benefits that will come from these actions, but most of the time for me it was just, more of a feeling than any thoughts at all. Just kind of it felt good, you know. And I don't know. The completion, establishing the parami as a go-to response, I don't know. But I did feel like uh, more joy was coming up for me in giving, that doing a spontaneous act maybe led to doing more acts, you know. The things that I've been doing have been small, but still, things I might not have done before. Um, and one of the questions that came up after ours talk last week, too, was why we have so much trouble acknowledging our own acts of generosity. And so I was thinking about that, too. You know, and for me, over this past couple of weeks, I've tried to take note and recognize that I did a generous act. And, you know, it's it's an interesting, I haven't felt much need to, you know, talk about it or say anything about doing these acts, except, you know, here where we're talking together about how we're working with the parmes, or had any desire to get much recognition for it. It's just kind of noticing that it feels good. And it's not in a way of feeling, oh, I'm being virtuous. It's just kind of. It feels good. And it's as simple as that. And for now, I think that's probably enough. Just having that sense of, "Mm, yeah, it does feel good. So I'd like to end with an excerpt from the poem, The Color of the Sky by Tony Hoagland. And this Part of this poem, I just think it really is a nice expression of abundance. And he says, Outside the youth center, between the liquor store and the police station, a little dogwood is losing its mind, overflowing with blossom foam like a sudsy mug of beer, like a bride ripping off her clothes, dropping snow-white petals to the ground in clouds, so nature's wastefulness seems quietly obscene. It's been doing that all week, making beauty and throwing it away and making more. Making beauty and throwing it away and making more. So doesn't that just say Say it all about abundance and generosity. (sighs) Thank you guys for being here and for listening. And maybe you kind of could relate to what I was talking about with some of the things you've been going through in these uh, past couple of weeks. And so now we have time for some small group discussion in our breakout rooms. And for those of you who aren't able to stay, um, I'm really glad that you were able to come for the talk and the sit. And hope you have a really nice rest of the weekend. Really good to have you here. I know sometimes... It's not possible to stay, but if you can, it's great if you are able to. I think this is a subject where we have a lot to share with each other. So for our discussion today, I'd invite you to just share your own experiences with working with generosity so far this month. You know, maybe it's been more just kind of thinking about this, uh, parami and being more aware of your acts of giving and how they make you feel, or maybe you've kind of deliberately had a little program yourself like I have had, you know, trying some different acts of generosity and see how that has worked out for you. Um, Whatever you would like to share your insights and your challenges, that would really be great. So I will go ahead and, um, put you into your rooms and you can have, you know, maybe 15 minutes or so to share with each other <clears throat> how this parmy of generosity has been for you. Hi, everybody. It looks like you're all back. So now we have some time for sharing if you have anything you'd like to share with the rest of the group about what you talked about in your um in your small groups or any questions or comments you might have we have some time to do that now so the floor is open to anybody who would like to say something you can um let me know that you want to talk by raising your virtual hand in the reaction box, or I think I, it's easy enough to see everybody here too, so you could probably raise your actual hand. But here is Julie raising her virtual hand. So please go ahead, Julie. Hi, thank you so much, Lyndall. Uh, great talk today.
1: Uh, I just uh, wanted, wanted to say that um, I appreciate so much, the reminder of um generosity to self. Mm-hmm. Because if you're generous enough to take some time and remind yourself of all the little acts of kindness that you do without thinking every day, um I think it, it feeds into the other thing that you and Arv and and, and Tuary have been talking about how it just kind of feeds into itself, right? It opens you up even more into this feeling and space of abundance. So I just wanted to point that out and say thank you.
0: Ah, You're welcome. Yeah, I I really have found that for me. You know, that's been my experience this last couple weeks when I've really been paying attention to that. So I'm glad that resonates with you and you're feeling the same way. I think it really does make a difference. And I like, you know, that sense of noticing the small acts of kindness we do, it does matter.
1: Yeah, thank you.
0: Oh, okay. Thomas, I think you came first and then Maria right after Thomas. <clears throat> so go ahead, Thomas.
2: Thanks a lot for, oh, for the good. reminder. And thanks a <laughs> little for a really inspiring uh, talk this morning. I want to give uh, give an example of where this month's um, focus on generosity has helped me at work. So I, I work with uh, a dear colleague, and uh, he has many strengths, uh, enjoyable to work with, but he he's not so good with deadlines and often are sort of behind the deadlines and he doesn't really let me know when things get behind. So I, I find myself often uh, yeah. frustrated about that. And this is not an uncommon yeah. <laughs> issue. Um, and so this month's focus on generosity have sort of given me an opportunity to look at that experience with through the lens of generosity. And what I found doing that was that You know, we have different strengths, and and one of my strengths is, you know, using task lists and get things done on time, get things wrapped up. And uh, it's not so much one of his strengths. And usually I would look at it sort of like he he needs to, you know, get better with the deadlines, and so we don't have this situation. But it, it sort of helped me think about, well, if I just sort of let him accept that he is who he is, and I am who I am. I can bring the sort of quality of getting things done and wrapping up to our working relationship, and he brings other things to it. And it's sort of given me, and I feel, feel sort of relieved from that. And tomorrow we're going mm-hmm. to get some work wrapped up and get it done. <laughs> so I, I feel sort of some new energy and inspiration from, from yeah, focusing on generosity at this point. So thanks a lot, everyone, for, for this.
0: Hmm. Thank you so much. That's a really wonderful example of how that sort of spirit of generosity can come be there in our relationships and, you know, accepting our differences and maybe bringing our strengths to help while appreciating somebody else's strengths. So that's a really great example. Thank you, Thomas. Thanks for sharing that with us. And then Maria.
1: Um so I think that I I appreciate I wanna say two things. One is if they are related. With the talk you talk about that, what I learned. I didn't know generosity also means that you is like you you do small things, say grateful things to yourself every single day, like even write them down. I didn't know that is kind of generosity. In my mind, generous meaning that you give back, you do something for others. I didn't think that's also you do something to yourself. I'm great at doing something for others, but um, sometimes I'm not very good at treating myself very kind, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And uh, so I learned that. Thank you so much for bringing that in the talk. And and the second thing I want to say, I appreciate what we discussed in our small group is, uh, we we mentioned uh, to be kind to our side. So it just like something like, wow, I didn't know generous means also in this aspect as well. So it's great to learn that
0: thing in this month. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Maria. And I think that brings up something that <clears throat> a lot of times we really do forget. You know, <laughs> that it's it's like we're we're not separate from this connected world where we can show our generosity and so yeah it, it is about treating ourselves well too so we can can give so thank you yeah yeah I'm glad I, I appreciate Norman Fisher for bringing that out too it was nice that he mentioned that that's an important part of it and and a good thing for us to think
1: about thanks
0: I think we have time. I for- wanted to. I wanted oh, okay. to say
2: that in my small group, I really felt just the generosity of when people share so much from the heart, so much honesty, and being willing to be vulnerable. And we didn't all talk about just our wonderfulness,
0: you know. Sometimes <laughs> we don't come across so wonderful. <laughs> and and I I think there's a generosity in sangha of just being so real with each other and that there's this underlying trust that it's an okay thing to be doing. Um, maybe it doesn't quite fit in the category, but that's the way I, I experienced it was a generosity of sharing. So just wanted to appreciate that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it is a, like a generosity of spirit. I mean, that sort of fits in with this Norman Fisher's idea about openness and spaciousness where there's you know room to allow what arises to uh, to arise and to share what's really there. So yeah, thank you. And I really thank all of you for your generosity and being willing to come and participate together. It's it's lovely.
2: What, what I shared in the group was, at my age, um, all the generosity I'm receiving, mm-hmm. and that's what I'm sort of grateful and mm-hmm. sort of blown away by. The- <laughs> of others, neighbor invited me over for lasagna last night.
0: <laughs> oh, nice. Mm. Yeah, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. And, yeah, that's so important, too, to just recognize all the generosity that others offer to us. Um, Can I say? Yes, Lauren. Mm. <laughs> I just wanted to say that uh, the what Sylvia Borstein was saying about generosity, just doing the act of generosity leads to more generosity. And I was noticing that the people in my small group, as they shared about their generosity, you could feel, you know, the goodness that they felt about that generosity. And, um, so I, I just, um, uh, thought that was really true. That just go out there and do it and see, just like you shared, see how you feel. And that so often it's mutual like someone is offering something to you and you can accept it because you see how happy are they are to offer that to you, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's a mutual, there's a mutuality in it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's really, yeah. I sure found that to be true. It was sort of like one little act kind of made it easier to do another little act or, you know, it was very nice. No, I think that's, I think uh, Sylvia Borstein is right. Doing that act just encourages more generosity. So, thanks everyone for being here. Have a wonderful day, wonderful weekend. What's left of the weekend? A wonderful week. I'm wishing you lots of joy in your acts of generosity and look forward to Seeing you the week after next at the Sunday sit.